Welcome to episode 26 of Stage Worthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. On Stage Worthy, I interview people who make theater, actors, directors, playwrights, and more, and talk to them about everything from why they chose the theater to their work process and anything in between. Shira Taylor is a performer, director, producer, and doctoral candidate at the Dalai Lang School of Public Health. She is also the director of Sext, which explores sex and sex education in a show created in collaboration with a group of high school students. Sext plays this summer at both the Toronto Fringe and SummerWorks festivals. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at stageworthypodcast.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast app you use and consider leaving a comment or rating. Okay. I mean, I know what a sext is, but what is, what is your show? <laughs> okay, so sext is so many things, but the word sext we chose because it stands for sex education by, so the X is like a two by four okay. kind of X, um, theater, which is the topic of my doctoral dissertation mm-hmm. that I'm doing at U of T in okay. public health. So that's how it started, mm-hmm. and it's really kind of grown into its own thing. So mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to do my thesis. The only reason I wanted to do a PhD was I knew I just had this project in my head that I wanted to bring to life. And I just thought I had been, I'd just come out of doing a master's degree in epidemiology. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's not about skin. Everyone Uh thinks it's about skin, but it's basically statistics for health research. And I knew I liked health and I knew I loved theater Mm -hmm. and I knew I liked sex and I liked stigmatized areas and I like mm-hmm. using theater to get at stigmatized right. areas. So I was just really brushing my teeth one day and I was like, how can I combine all of these things? And I had just kind of got the hang of the grad school lifestyle, which really suits my mm-hmm. personality, both the waking up at noon and going to bed at four, <laughs> <laughs> but also the ability to balance multiple projects. Mm-hmm. So I basically pitched this idea to U of T and Ottawa U saying, mm-hmm. I want to do this sex ed theater program with youth and I put all these fancy statistics in there and they both took the bait. So I ended up at U of T um, and then I had to go through the first year of the PhD, which is a lot of classwork and then the qualifying exam where you basically have to go up there and prove that you're worth them continuing to Uh let you be in the program. And then I was got kind of ready to go and I had free reign but I'm like okay so I have this idea but where am I going to do this I'm not from Toronto Mm -hmm. I'm from Ottawa didn't really have many connections so I kind of just put out a blast to anyone I knew who was working with youth Mm -hmm. there in high schools and I said like help me help a girl out so my aunt's best friend was a social worker at Mark Arnaud which is a high school in Thorncliffe and Flemington Park Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the neighborhood I know it Okay, so it, it's um, a newcomer destination. The school itself is one of the most diverse and overpopulated schools mm-hmm. in the GTA. 
And the, the demographic is very diverse, but the majority is a newcomer Muslim South Asian population. And I was really interested because my view of sexuality is not like when people think sex ed or they, they often think pregnancy yes. and they think STIs. Right. So the scary shit. Yeah. <laughs> but my view of sexuality is just much more, let's say, holistic. Right. So I'm interested in how religion, politics, culture, mm -hmm. how all of that plays into mm -hmm. sexuality. So I was really interested in how that the context of this school w would work with this program. But again, I was an outsider to the community, had no idea. So I basically did like a take your kids to work day thing with my aunt's friend, who's a social worker. Uh, and we got there and she just kind of threw me into the wolves and here's, said, here's the principal, this amazing woman, her name's Ricky Goldenberg. And she was basically like, what's your deal? And I pitched to her and she said, yeah, you have access to my whole school, which is a huge breakthrough. Like, that does not usually come that easy. Yeah. I've been shopping around for months. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. I'm like, but I need to talk to some kids to see if this is something that will actually work at this school. So um, there was someone in the office who overheard and said, oh, my God, well, I'm not going to send you this boy. You should see what he did to a banana, like, last class. And I was like, no, like. <laughs> send me banana kid like yeah, that's yeah, who I want yeah. to talk to so this kid comes down he fully thinks he's getting expelled he looks scared shitless and I basically am like hi so I'm this random PhD student I had this idea for this program where we talk about just issues that are important to youth in the community relating to sexuality and sexual health and then we're going to come up with a play based on these issues and you can express your opinions by raps or songs or dances and the kid's looking at me like okay I guess I'm not getting expelled lady so that's good <laughs> But then he, he was like, well, it sounds cool, but good luck getting girls in this neighborhood to talk about sex. You're not mm. going to be able to do that. But and I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting perspective, but I'm not going to take like his word for it. Yeah. So I said to the social worker, I'm like, can you get me into a, a girl's gym class or something? So I go into the girl's gym class, and I get in front of the class again, haven't prepared anything. I'm just kind of talking at them about what my idea is and then this one girl puts up her hand and I'm like oh do you have a question and she said no I just really want to do this and that, and it was that was the like yeah. aha moment where I said okay I'm in the right place yeah so all one day so so next thing I know I'm taking like receipts out of my purse because all the girls in the class wanted to give me their contact information um, so I said, okay, so I'm just pulling out scrap papers yeah. and all these girls are lined up and they have questions and they're so excited. And that was the moment I was like, yeah, I'm onto something. This cool. is something super cool. And then, um, everything had to go on pause for six months while I got ethics approval and proved that I wasn't running a pornography program. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's great. But, um. Yeah. <laughs> but it got approved. I'll but it got sure. approved. It got approved. And I understand. I mean, yeah. if, if anything's hard to get ethics approval for, it's A, working with youth, and B, on, on sexual sex. health, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I came back and, again, d did a few class talks, like nothing major. And, and I, uh, the advice I'd gotten from a lot of people said, you know, take a few extra kids because they're teenagers. They're going to drop out. Also, this is considered a neighborhood improvement area of Toronto, so there's this stigma that, oh, you're not going to be able to get kids to, which I found is the exact opposite, mm -hmm. um, especially since I found in this community most of the kids are from new immigrant families. There is this kind of idea of, you know, our parents moved here to give us a better life, mm -hmm. and we're going to, you know, work as hard as we can t to realize that. So I actually found more so than any other community I was talking to, or just the 
the buy-in from the youth was huge. And I think also because um, culturally in the community, there aren't many open conversations necessarily happening on these topics for every kid, for some sure, but for every kid. So it was the chance to, to talk also drew them in. So I had said, okay, I'm gonna, I want 10 kids. So I'll take like 15. And then I started with 10 kids and I finished with 19 kids. <laughs> with perfect attendance, and I did 10 workshops with them. And the first day I sat down with them and I said, what's important to you? Because it was very important that they were dictating the agenda. So we talked about issues that were important in their community. So, for example, homophobia, um, how women dress was a really important issue. Um, just various gender roles, domestic abuse, healthy relationships, unhealthy relationships. So all of those types of issues, and then extensions of those. So we talked about race and religion and stereotypes and racism and all of those types of things. And then each, so each session was kind of part discussion, often heated debate, and then would finish with them having the chance to come up with a creative representation of our discussion, be it a dance or a song or a skit. And there was, I used some more structured drama exercises for certain things. Yeah. Like, I learned the hard way. Um, don't give a group of teens free reign coming up with a scene on pregnancy options. Because you might have a situation where babies are being thrown, and then someone picks up the baby, dusts right. him off, and goes, oh, he's kind of cute. I'll adopt right. him. So I learned that lesson the hard way. Uh-huh. So for things like pregnancy, I had to take a more structured approach. So I learned my lesson. I brought in a script and and did some work from that and some improvisation based on existing scripts. Mm-hmm. And I think what was cool there was um, we had, I, I asked for volunteers of who wants to play the pregnant girl. And it was a guy who shot his hand up right away that he did. And I think he was trying to be funny at first. So, but I was like, yeah, yeah, play the pregnant girl. Love yeah. it. And then by the end, I think it was really an exercise in empathy because mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you have this guy who's put himself in the shoes of a pregnant girl and being put, you know, in the hot seat with people asking questions. So, um, like, like, how do you feel and what's going to happen with your boyfriend now? And so that that's interesting. So it was a very kind of diverse array of drama activities. And then those were the 10 workshops. And then I got them together for a week of the summer to put the show together. And this was two years ago. So this was in 2014. And a lot of the youth came to me going into the summer saying, we just got nine to five jobs, um, but we still want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if you're willing to do it, then come after work. So what was really amazing to me was not one dropped out out of Mm -hmm. 19. So about nine of them had jobs. So so I would have half of them from nine to five. The other half would come from five to ten. Some of them would just stay for the, the 12 hours. Wow. And a good number of them were fasting for the Muslim holiday of Ramadan at the same time. So it was this dedication that was incredible. Wow. There were days we couldn't get into the health center. So the Flemington Health Center is our partner to rehearse. So we rehearsed in the rain, mm. in a parking lot. And wow. it was just amazing. And at the end of that process, we put on a show at the Science Center for their peers. And I was sitting there watching it and being like, no, this is something special. Like, this is something I think is lacking maybe from the Toronto theater community because everything you're seeing out there, it's so real and yeah. so raw, but it's still, it's still artistic and, and effective. A lot of um, the youth, it was their first time ever being on stage, but they were killing it. Nice. So that's kind of how it got started. That was a really long answer to your question. That's but <laughs> yes, it's exactly what I wanted. Okay. Um, so... 
at both Fringe and Summerworks are going to be presenting, is it the same show that they presented uh, for their peers at the, at the Science Center? So it's constantly being developed. So the nature of the show <laughs> is we really wanted to reflect the realities of the youth involved, and that changes over time. Mm-hmm. That changes. So... Two years later, amazingly, we have nine out of the original 19 cast members. Even though some have graduated high school, they still come back. Mm. Uh, four new cast members. We have a cast of 13. So we try and I try and make it that everyone has their voice. So for the new cast members, for example, one of them wrote this beautiful piece on kind of the crisis of finding your identity. So where does my identity end from my parents and the culture that I come from Mm. and living in Canada? What does it mean to live in Canada? So she wrote this beautiful rap on that. So that's a new addition to our show. And that came from... So it really depends who's in the room. Mm. Um, Also, I've been really lucky to get some funding from the Toronto Arts Council and the Mikhail Jean Foundation. So I've been able to bring in a variety of local Toronto artists mm. to lend their creative contributions. So, for example, Bo Lam, who's a dancer for the Toronto Raptors, she came in, and we have this um, really beautiful new song um, written about leaving an abusive relationship. So it's written by one of our cast members, Mary Gatachu, and my good friend Elena Wako, who was just recently in, in Kinky Boots. So mm. she wrote the music, Mary wrote the lyrics, because Mary had identified that a healthy relationship was something really important to her, and she put it all into words quite articul- articulately. And Elena set it to music, and then we had Bo come in and choreograph this beautiful contemporary dance huh. to it. So now it's really, it basically, it's the kind of piece where, like, the more people I can get in the room, the more creative yeah. energy. We have Tom McGee on dramaturgy. Yeah. So that's kind of, it's really evolving, and it's constantly evolving, and I, and I, I do see it evolving even from Fringe to Summer Works. Huh. Cool. Mm-hmm. Now, so I mean, this 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 project began for you as a, a a way to bring together theater and academia, yes, as well as the the, the sex topic, yes. Um, what's when did you like? What's your theater background? Why did you start with theater? And what is what is your interest in theater? Sure. So I can't. I definitely can't pick up pinpoint a time if you look at home videos of me as a child like the first one that comes to mind is me like sitting on the toilet naked singing fiddler on the roof matchmaker matchmaker find me a rat instead of match um when i was little my mom had les mis playing on repeat in the car i was only allowed to swear in the car when i could yell raise it up the master's ass as a child so i mean theater has just kind of been in my blood um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Kiwanis Music Festival, um, but in Ottawa, that was, I, like my friends and I, we laugh about this because Kiwanis was like, it was kind of almost, not the Oscars, I don't know what the equivalent would be, the Broadway of Ottawa. So um, every year I would do musical theater, and I trained under Stacey Ingrie, an amazing voice coach, and she really helped me develop as a, as a theater artist. Yeah. And every year I would go to the music festival and you would just do these two contrasting pieces and, and you train for months. And, yeah. and then, so it, that was kind of like my, my jam when I, when I was little. So I was always just ready for my big Kiwanis piece. I got Over the Moon from Rent banned from the Kiwanis Music Festival. It's still on the program. I'm really proud of that. So that's kind of how I was, I was trained. And then that was basically till high school. I'd been singing lessons since... I was nine years old, so I really started with singing, and then 
with the singing, that's when they said, oh, you know, you should really get some acting coaching. So I did that. And then I got to high school and then I got to experience what it's like to be part of theater, not as an individual thing, like alone on the toilet or in your mom's car or doing solo musical theater numbers, but as a group. So I I was scared shitless of improv. So I joined the improv team in high school. And I remember this moment where I was about to go on in this big scene structure we had where I was going to have to have the big emotional breakdown in the scene. And and this one big guy comes up to me and I was like younger and he was in grade 12 and he put his arm around me. He's like, you know, we have your back. And I think I was like, oh, theater, you know, (laughs) like, is there a better feeling than that? I don't think so. And then and then when I went off to Queens, I knew. I was really torn. I I knew I wanted theater in my life always forever. That's never been in doubt. Mm -hmm. But academically, I I was really um, also interested in the sciences. So I was kind of pulled that way academically, but I always did a ton of theater Mm -hmm. extracurricularly at Queen's. And actually, Existere is a performance which I based this program on. So at Queen's, when you first get their frosh week and you're so awkward, they basically throw all the frosh in a room together and they have a show where it starts off where the cast members who are in second year are kind of doing a scene based on the horrible icebreaker activity you just had to do with the new okay. people you met. And then they're they're saying like what you're actually thinking and it's doing laundry for the first time and they're singing. And, and I remember just being in the audience and being like, oh my God, they get me, they get me, they get me. So I knew that was something I wanted to be involved yeah. with. And they touched on issues like sexual health, also mental health, diversity, mm-hmm. very similar to what I'm doing with Sext. So I went on to be in that and then direct it. And then I worked with the dean because we thought it was such a powerful model. So it used to be just in Frosh Week, but I worked with the dean and Maddie Burns, who's also around Toronto, to turn this into a program that would run throughout the year at Queen's. Mm -hmm. So we would go into residences, and if they were having a problem with alcohol on their floor or um, eating disorders, we had scenes for that, and we would Mm -hmm. perform scenes and then have talkbacks. So that's really what drove, I was like, okay, this is something, this is huge, like art for social change. So that, and also just being part of Existere, as a cast member was the most, really I became who I am by being part of that. I know that sounds corny, but it's true. Cause I mean, we were in this group, we had a common goal. Again, you come together for like 10 days before the show opens, you're eating, sleeping and breathing the show and the people. Yeah. And it's just this shared experience. And I don't think I've ever felt so part of a group or so comfortable in who I am. And, and it's such a safe space that you have that freedom to completely be yourself. Yeah. And, that's, and I just th- I thought every kid deserves that. Every kid needs that. Yeah. So that's kind of the environment that I really tried to create with the group with sex. Mm-hmm. So they're a little younger. They started in high school. Now some of them are in university. But feedback from them as well is that it feels like a family. Yeah. Um, and it's that it also that shared experience like we're going through right now. Yeah. Where, I mean, we open in Fringe in a few days and... And it's that panic of how is this going to be on a stage in a few days? But then when you come together and you're all in it together, and then you put in this when you pull it off and you're in front of an audience for the first time, yeah. it's just there's nothing better than that. Um, how how so? I mean, Fringe is. I mean, next week. Yeah. So, 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 <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Uh, just, you know, just so that people know when we're when mm-hmm, this is, mm-hmm. when we're this. It's like a week away. Oh yeah, so, we're right in the we're right and, in the action now. So, of course, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, everybody must be getting a little bit uh, tense about uh, presenting this. 
at Fringe. How's that? How's that going with the cast? <laughs> so it's interesting, right? Because it's very different. So I'm in the Shaky Shake show right mm-hmm. now, Twelfth Night, that we're doing at Fringe as well. And that's all professional actors, right? Right. So it's a very different vibe. But there's something awesome about the the nervous energy that comes yeah. from people who haven't done this a million times. Yeah. And, um, so I kind of, I love that. I, yeah. I, I feed off of it. But also what's been neat is we've had some experience, like many experiences performing leading up to this. So I brought them to the Foot Festival at U of T. Mm-hmm. And that was an experience where we had a week to prepare again. Um, half the kids were in exams. Mm-hmm. We had tech and it was a disaster. Course, tech was yeah. just a complete disaster. And then the next day, they, we go on stage and I'm like, well, you know what? If nothing else, we'll, live, we'll liven up this room of academics. Yeah, yeah. And then they went out there and I didn't even recognize them. They blew me away. Like, I was just yeah. like, wow. So I'm also lucky that it's, everyone involved seems to be the type of people who feed off an audience. They come alive in front of an audience, which is a mm-hmm. very important trait. So I do trust them in that way. But... We also got to perform at their high school, which is a very interesting experience mm. last month. And that's different because this is the first time we had an audience who didn't all choose to be there. Right. Right? So in the past, we had done shows in their community, but it was whoever decided to show up. But this was like they brought full classes. Yeah. And it's, it's very – and also this is a contentious issue right now because we're steps away from where the sex ed curriculum protests had happened. Right. Um, a few months ago, yeah. um, so there and there is a very like religious environment in the school, so it's, it's it was very interesting. So again, I kind of you know fed them to the wolves, yeah. and what was amazing was again from the second they start they started performing, they had this room of of high school students. Also, it was really interesting because the way the room ended up being was it was mostly girls, but then there were three rows of guys in the back. And they were all kind of like their posture was very like of what course. is like what is this theater thing you're yeah. dragging me to right? Yeah. So, and I was like, well, this could go either way. But they started, and from the second they started, they just had the audience mm. in the palm of their hands, Good. and that was incredible. And I think also really all the the cultural elements we've added really landed because we have one scene on homophobia performed half in Urdu, which is um, a language spoken in Pakistan, mm-hmm. and most of the people in the audience understood. So right. that was, I mean, it's a funny scene even if you don't understand it. Right. I always say to them, like, I'm trusting you guys because I have no idea what the heck you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Course, yeah. But it was, it was so neat to see it land in front of their peers like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a really good experience for them to perform in front of other teenagers like I don't think there's a tougher crowd no, really no. and then I've also had them perform in front of the health center mm-hmm. staff so that's also a room of adults so I had these kids yelling about vaginas yes. in front of a room of adults which is also a challenge yes. yeah. so I feel like I've put them through the ringer enough at this point and they've just blown me away with how they've yeah. risen to the challenge so I'm hoping a fringe audience will be you know really like supportive and I think yeah. hopefully they're hopefully they're ready but it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, we'll find out on opening night. Well, that's always the way it is. <laughs> right? Um, you mentioned Shaky Shake and Friends. Yes. Um, how long are you working with Shaky Shake? Five years. Five years? Mm-hmm. Um, which show did you join with? The first one. The first I've been time? there since so Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. So, right. so Lucy's sitting over there on I the, the chair. So we played yeah. Juliet yeah. <laughs> in um, Romeo and Juliet. And the uh, big difference between uh, putting those two shows together. Yes. Um... And we've, I've talked with Tom McGee on, on the show. I've listened. About that. So um, what's it like uh, working on a kid's show with puppets as opposed to working 
I mean, they're not kids, but for, for kids uh, on stage. What's the, how does that, like, there's obviously differences. So um, what's the, what's it like doing Shaky Shake and then going straight over to, uh, <laughs> to sex? It's really interesting because that's been my, all week, it's been a half day Shaky Shake and half day. I think, um, so Lucy and I, I mean, she's my roommate, as yeah. you can see, the puppet Lucy. We've been together for five years. Uh -huh. um, I feel very bonded with her. I think we're an extension of each other. We have the same hair. Um, so I find that, um, like, working with Lucy, we're just kind of, we're, we're buds at this yeah. point. Like, it's, it's you know, we, we, have, we have our routine. I talk to her. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think there are actually probably, in some ways, more similarities than differences because the energy of the Shaky Shake shows are very much, this is a show for kids, mm -hmm. but it's hilarious for adults and that's right. thanks to how Tom McGee writes. Um, so it's still, it's fun. Like I genuinely find all the jokes in Shaky Shake like like fall over hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of similar, a similar vibe to what we're doing with Sext in that yes, this was conceived as a show for like by youth for youth mm -hmm. but I think it's a really amazing experience for adults as well and we try and make it fun we touch on some really serious issues we touch on yeah. rape and abuse and homophobia mm -hmm. and racism and all these but we still try and um, make it relatable and and the way Shaky Shake is throwing in all these pop culture references mm -hmm. to make it relatable to the here and now, we're also doing that. We're throwing in as many pop culture references as we can. Right. Like both shows have Beyonce references, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so, of course, it's different in that you're working with professional actors. In yeah. Shaky Shake, we tend to start more on time, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it is kind of similar in that. Shaky Shake's a family. It's a group of best friends at this yeah. point who've been doing it for a long time together. Even the new people have fit in well. Same kind of vibe with sex. So yeah. I think we, we kind of run the companies in similar ways, even though they could not be more different. Absolutely, yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does, it does make a lot of sense. Um, as somebody who spends most of their time navigating the world of academia, um, what's it... What's it like coming out of out of the academic world and into the theater world, like on almost a daily basis? Well, I definitely I do spend most of my life in the world of academia, but I still I'm a theater person who's kind of on loan to academia uh -huh. versus the other way around. Right. So to be honest, I feel way more like a fish out of water in academia mm -hmm. than I do um, in in the theater world, like right. hands down. So. It, it, it's it's an interesting balance. I think the struggle is getting the academic world to see value mm -hmm. in in this work. So, for example, I've had like on my supervisory committee. I was about two years into my thesis, and, and I got the question like, "Why theater? Like, you assume people go to the theater and feel things." And I was like, yeah. "Wait, wait, can, can I back up just?" For a yes, they were asking. Whether people went to the theater to feel things? Yeah, they said. Well, no, they were they were accusing me okay. of making this oh. assumption that people go to the theater and feel. Oh, and of course they don't want that because they're academics. Well, they did, it, well, or? I guess, or they thought like, do you have to feel at the theater? I guess I don't. Oh. I, I don't. 
So, because, you know, it's true. My whole thesis is based on the fact that theater can get at these issues on an emotional level, mm-hmm. when I talked about empathy earlier, as well as on a kind of a, a more knowledge brain yeah. level. I mean, people can throw, that's kind of the basis of this, of my PhD, is people can talk at you all day long. Yeah. But if it doesn't relate to your own experiences and it's not engaging, yeah. And it doesn't make you feel anything. Is it going to really have an impact or change your behaviors? Yeah. Probably not. So it's it, it's more um, like I'm I'm also part of the Art for Social Change project, which mm-hmm. is a cross Canada research project. Really exciting work going on. And the unofficial um, kind of mandate is is just to get. We hate to use the word legitimize, but to legitimize yeah. <laughs> the field of art for social change in Canada and have it valued. Yeah. So I think really the struggle for me more is having the academic community um, just really value this work, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a constant struggle. But I've had some amazing moments where someone from my thesis committee will come to the show and then send me an email after and say, oh, I didn't get it, but I get it now. Mm. Like, you've been talking about this. Because yeah. when you're sitting in a room of academics and you're, you're using the fancy language and all the jargon, yeah. it doesn't get at the feeling you get when you see these kids on stage, like, singing out about their periods and yeah. things that are really important to them, right? Yeah. That can't be necessarily quantified, although I do try and quantify it in my thesis. Well, you do have to. You do have to. <laughs> yes, and I think that's important. Another thing with academia is this struggle of quantitative versus qualitative mm-hmm. data and it's a really kind of hot issue and people get really like offended about it so there's the camp of quantitative people mm-hmm. who think it's just airy fairy if you're doing like interviews or qualitative right. stuff and then there's the qualitative people who've had their work not taken seriously for so long that they reject numbers you can't box me into ah. numbers but what I'm trying to do is I really do think that they can coexist and I think there's depending on the question you're asking there's definitely space for both so for example I can quantify outcomes of my program so I had my kids fill out a survey after and also audience members who came to the show Mm -hmm. fill out a survey and you can I can run statistics on that and there's quantifiable change in self-esteem and sexual health outcomes that you can see and I think there's value in being able to report that but if you want to understand why those changes happen, you have to talk to people. Of course you do, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then the other, the other side of that is this idea of knowledge translation. So in academia, we talk a lot. That's really kind of the hot-button thing in academia right now is knowledge translation. So it's the idea that all this research happens, and then it sits on a shelf. But knowledge translation is taking the research and putting it out into the community mm-hmm. so it's actually impacting people's lives. Yeah. And I'm really into using the arts in knowledge translation because again it does make you quote feel things so so it's really interesting like right now what i'm trying to do with the show is i'm taking some quotes that came out of my research and we're playing around with using those in transitions Mm -hmm. and at the top of the show because my biggest fear with bringing the show to the fringe is that there are so many amazing backstories of what went into making the show happen mm-hmm. and the backgrounds that these kids come from. Those are amazing stories. So if someone just comes to the show and they see these kids, you know, singing out about racism and sex, um, my fear is that they might not appreciate, like, no, these are these kids' stories yes, and, yeah. and, like, what the process was and what we went through and, and what this process has meant to the youth involved, mm-hmm. right? So... Um, that's one, one way I'm trying to bring this into the show, the research, is, you know, when you hear some of the quotes from the youth when they're reflecting on their experience, and they're so articulate when they reflect on it, that 
I think that's a way of bridging the theater and the academia, and I'm hoping also that might bring out some academic audiences yeah. to see this is living research, this is research, but it, it's alive. And yeah. So, so, yeah, I think the biggest challenge is just having this work really appreciated by the academic community. Do you think that the, the resistance that the academic community has is at all similar to, I don't want to call it resistance, but there is kind of a resistance that, um, that non-theater people have to theater. Like they'll go and see your kinky boots or, one, or your, your mm-hmm, ladies or whatever, mm-hmm. but theater where people don't sing is something they don't see very often mm-hmm. and it's hard to get them out to it. Do you see like uh, some kind of similarity in those two resistances? I think there's a resistance to just get up and go to the theater. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that for people who are interested in the issues, mm-hmm. people who aren't even interested in theater, yeah. people who are interested in the research and the issues, that's kind of the beauty of this show is it's so real, mm-hmm. right? These are people's stories who are living in Toronto right now. I get so many questions about the sex ed protests because right. when people make the connection that, and I'm, I was in this neighborhood before the protest started, yes. but it's interesting because everyone wants to talk to me about these protests in the community and what it's like. And I think what's missing from the debate that's been happening so far on the protest, it's all adults. It's all adults yeah. talking at each other, yelling at each other. Um, there's no real dialogue, really. No. It's just a different opposing viewpoints being yelled at each other. So with our show, um, it's the youth perspective, which I think has been like spectacularly lacking yeah. from this debate. And so, and it's from the youth themselves, and it's 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 real, and it's right now. So, mm. my hope is that people who are kind of maybe resistant to this mode of, of theater, yeah. it's like, well, you know, you've been you've been coming to me and asking me perspectives, but why don't we hear from people who live in the community and young people? And, and the other hope is that it's a starting point for dialogue that the yeah. show can get dialogue going. So it's not it's not that we want someone to come to our show and then be, oh no, that's not my viewpoint and leave, but hopefully it might make people think a little bit differently on the issues or see the youth perspective or think differently about diversity or any of these types of issues. So I really think this type of theater um, is more universal than for just people who love theater. We also do sing. Like, we have a song about periods. Instead of let it let it go, we sing let it flow. That's good. You know, yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, speaking about the dialogue, have the kids who are involved in this show found that doing this show has made it easier for them to have dialogue with both their peers and also their parents about about these issues? That's a great question. Um, It's very interesting because, so in the group, there are, you know, different levels of comfort, different family. But yesterday, I was actually having a conversation with one of the cast members, and she was saying that... So she was one of the ones that at the beginning, like when I handed out condoms to say, okay, we're going to learn to put a condom on, like these are the 10 steps, which we also teach in our show. (laughs) Um, So she she was, didn't even want to touch the condom. Right. So it's interesting because I've been through quite a journey with some of the the youth participants. So it's been two years, right? And, and, and I get them at a really, like, great age where they're coming into their own identities and, you know, we've been through a lot together at this point. So I was having a great conversation with her yesterday after rehearsal and she was saying how, you know, her aunt was saying something super homophobic mm-hmm. and she decided to take on her aunt on the issue. And she did credit that to mm-hmm. her experience in the program, which I thought was really neat. 
And, and and it was interesting because I'm always trying to bring culture in. And she was she gave this example. I'm going to get the sto- the the actual um, facts wrong, but it was this idea of this Indian god that had both male and female in them. I'm, I'm not sure, I don't know much about it, but she used that as a way to connect to her aunt. Mm on the issue, which I thought was really incredible, and saying, well, so you have a problem with transgender people, but yet, you know, in, in our history, this god was worshipped, and yeah. and so she went there, and I thought that was amazing. I, I had another example where one of the youth was talking about how his mom said, oh, I'd really like to vote for Kathleen Wynne. This was two years ago, but she's gay, so I can't. Wow. Okay. So, so he kind of went in and... and talk to her about that. I, I'm pretty sure she did vote for Kathleen, but I, I didn't check. But So that kind of thing. But then it's interesting because so for some of the youth, a positive outcome of the program would be increased comfort talking about the issues with the family. Yeah. But for some, that's really just not a reality. Yeah. Um, for some of them, the parents, you know, and, and I, was, I always, you know, explain that, you know, your parents grew up in a different country. Yeah. They did not have access to programs like this. Um, so people are a product of their experiences, but there are some people who would be at risk if they brought these issues up to their parents. So in that case, it just becomes, um, I just try and put forward to them that, okay, well, if you don't agree with your parents, you're your own person now and, you know, take what they say with a grain of salt, take what I say with a grain of salt and figure out your own identity. So parents don't have a problem with the kids doing the the show? Well, um, a lot of the parents don't know. That their parents are doing, uh, that the kids are doing the show. Okay. Um, some know to varying degrees. Uh-huh. So I remember the first round, one of the youth told his his parents he was in a show about living in Canada. Not a lie. No. Not a lie. No. Um, some of them focus on the fact that it's on racism and d- diversity, mm-hmm. which is true. Yeah. Um, some of them just don't, don't mention it. Mention it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. But I think that just speaks to um, how much the cast believes in the show. Yes. If they have to yes. go to such elaborate lengths to be able to be a part of it and yeah. to have that their voice put out there. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. How I mean, these these kids are coming in and they're 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 coming to you without any theater experience for the most part. Yes, and some of them have left and gone on to uh, college or university. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Others are still involved with the show. Um, do you see? Have you seen uh, uh, the the kids coming coming out with more of a, a connection to theater or more of an interest in theater, or has it just been this show that they're interested in? Totally. What's really interesting and what I love about it is if you sat them all down and asked them what they want a career in, most of the answer would not be theater. Mm-hmm. But we've had really interesting discussions about how, in my research, like, one, one, one boy was saying, well, I want a career in business, but this has helped me so much mm-hmm. because I feel more charismatic. Yeah. The improv exercises, I can, I can talk more freely and yeah. I'm more comfortable. Uh, um, a few of them actually reported back to me after a few months from the first program that they're their class reps at university <laughs> now because it's nothing for them to get up and talk in front of a, a entire lecture theater. Right. So there's, there's that. I mean, some of them really do have serious talent. Mm-hmm. Like, really, like they can really make it as yeah. actors. 
And it's been really an honor for me to be able to now expose them to the theater scene mm -hmm. and to have in having guest artists come in and work with them yeah. that are, you know, real heavies in the Toronto theater scene. Yeah. What a neat opportunity for them to, to work and be mentored by all these guest artists. Yeah. So I feel really good about the fact that I've been able to give them the chance to work with so many artists and, and develop it. And I just think really even the ones who don't necessarily want a career in theater, mm -hmm. I think they do have just an appreciation for it right. and a drive to see to see more theater. Yeah. And I also am really excited because I know when I moved to Toronto, being a part of the Fringe Festival mm -hmm. was the first time that I felt like Toronto was my home. Right. Because just... That's some. The Fringe Festival is just so amazing. It's the vibe of it that yeah. you know it's all happening in one in these close quarters, and there's so many shows going on, and and there's always something to do, and it's it has that family vibe. Yeah. And I'm really excited for these youth to have that experience. Also, living in that community, um, like there's there's sometimes it's quite isolated from the rest of Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. So they might not. Um, otherwise, and some who are going on to university, that's not necessarily the case anymore. But for some of the younger ones, um, they might not venture downtown very often. Yeah. So for them to see what's out there for them in Toronto and not just yeah. see what's out there, they're going to be right smack in the middle of it. They're going to be a part of it, which well, I think is huge. Have, I, mean, the, I did a show uh, a couple of years ago with Keystone Theatre. We had an element where there was a high school student doing like a short with us and uh we were all like you are this is like you've never done fringe before get out and see stuff and like see as much as you can mm -hmm. get that performer pass and go to see as many mm -hmm. shows as you can because it's a great experience to to do that and to see the things see what's out there in a way that you might not have before Absolutely. And we're also we're starting um, an Indiegogo campaign. We'd also like to be able to provide other youth from their community mm -hmm. free tickets and free transportation to the show, too. Mm -hmm. So that's something we're working on right now as well, because it'd be nice if so we have some, you know, some of the people we perform for at the high school who love the show. Yeah. I'd love for them to be able to come and see what the Fringe Festival yeah. is all about. So we're really trying to. Uh, I think that that's a that's one of the major issues with theater in Toronto is is where it's accessible. So, yeah. for example, when I was going through applications for this program, the first one I read was, was this girl who wrote, you know, I love to dance so much, but I've never had access to dance lessons. So I taught myself to dance from right. YouTube, and now I'm holding free lessons in the library for other youth in yeah. the community who, who did. And I was like, ah, oh, that's incredible. Yeah. But there are. And even just the community assessments, there are serious gaps in arts programming in certain parks, pockets of Toronto, and this is one of them. So, so I think there, that's a huge gap in that community. So I would just love for them to kind of have the Pick chance yeah. to, to come to French, yeah. to come to SummerWorks, and to see see what's out there, and yeah. not just see it as something separate from them. It's something that they're so integral to. Yeah. I think we also, I think there's a tendency to look at, at theater as either something that is A, too expensive or be inaccessible in some way, mm -hmm. um, which is something that Fringe sort of shows you if you can experience it. That that's not the case. Right. It doesn't have to be expensive, and it's often not expensive. Right. And it's uh, it's really accessible, so it's really great to to get people who are who have not had that experience right into the thick of it. Totally. Um. So you're performing in Shaky Shake, and you are directing. Sexed. Yes. Um, and there may be times when you are running from one to the other. Um, that's got to be an exhausting schedule. It, uh, it's uh, it's interesting because I also have the, the PhD. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have two other jobs. So I work um, up north. Mm -hmm. So I'm going, to, I work at a sex ed camp mm -hmm. in the Northwest Territories. 
I do their evaluation and then on this art for social change project. Right. So it's uh, You're busy. it's something. Yeah. Um, well, we're almost out of time, but I wanted mm -hmm. to, to, to make sure that we mentioned um, the which venue at Fringe you're at. Yes, we were at the Annex Theater. The Annex Theater. And um, at Summerworks, we're at the Factory Studio. And at Annex, which, which, which day of the Fringe do you open? On the 29th. On the 29th, perfect. And uh, you have a website. We do. It's www.sexeducationbytheater.com. And our hashtags are at sextedshow. Mm -hmm. and, and sorry, that's our handle. Right. Our hashtag is hashtag sexted. So S-E-X-T-E-D. Like sex ed, but sex ed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this has been great. Thank you, thank thank you, you so, so much, much for talking to me.